When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. And welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. We are continuing our celebration of WB shows with a revisit of Buffy. Although their only panelist returning from that original episode is Sasha, both Tiff and Meg are brand, not brand new to Buffy, but they're brand new to the Buffy panel. I want to say up front, since we will probably be talking, we'll be talking about Joss Whedon. So trigger warning for... Well, all the horrible things that Joss Whedon has done. So I'm not sure what we're going to get into with that. So just trigger warnings for anything having to do with sexual harassment. Um, I don't know if we'll get any kind of sexual assault, but stuff like that. So I just want to do a quick trigger warning there. Um, But this should be a fun episode. We're all a little loopy tonight. So excuse us. (laughs) You're going to notice I'm going to become more and more loopy over the next few months. So you're just going to be dealing with loopy, loopy Aaron. <laughs> right. You got stuff going on? I know. I don't know what I have going on, but it's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. But really quickly before I have my panelists introduce themselves, uh, just a reminder that we do have a Patreon account now. So you can join. We have different levels. You can join for general admission, silver pass or gold pass. So pretend like you're going to a convention. And you'll get different things like every level will get bonus episodes. We're going to be doing a bonus episode soon on Stand By Me. So that should be a lot of fun. Sasha is going to be on that one. So that'll be a fun conversation. Um, I'm not positive when that'll be coming out or when we'll be recording it, but hopefully soon. Um, And then also at certain levels, after a certain amount of time, you can get stickers, sweatshirts. And at the $15 level, you can ask me anything once a month. Okay. Within reason, like I can say, I'm not answering that question, (laughs) but you can't ask me anything. Okay. Well, I'm going to have my panelists introduce themselves and tell me something they're into this week. And I'm going to do something where I'm going to try and be psychic here and predict what they're into this week. Meg, are you into Buck and Eddie fanfic still? I mean, still and forever and for always. Look at that! You're so talented! It's also all the only answer. So I have to do something else with my life. Um, So I actually did watch the new Netflix show, Clickbait. And it does live up to its name and that you are interested in, you'll keep watching it. And I won't, I don't want to give any spoilers away because it was actually, I was actually surprised by the ending. And that does not happen. For me, usually, 
Um, I'm not going to say that it's great or good or anything like that, but if you're looking to waste eight hours of your life <laughs> watching, if you're looking for a show to binge, it's not the worst thing I've been watching. That's, which that's actually, a great recommendation. Actually, well, yeah, well, the other things I've been watching have been like late 90s, early 2000s TV, which, I mean, where where are we going to go on that? It's this uh, or Gilmore Girls. Well, that's, that's a tough one, man. I have to talk about Gilmore Girls. <laughs> or just more Buccanetti fan fiction. Awesome. And then Sasha, I'm feeling that a couple of things. Number one, you have listened to me just like everybody should. And you have started watching American Crime Story, and you're slowly realizing how amazing Darren Chris is in it. Am Holy I right crap. about that one? That you're part? amazing. Do you have winning lotto numbers too? <laughs> yes, but I did not. Powerful <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm only two episodes in, but so far so good. I'm really enjoying it. Okay, I, I want to hear your reactions once you get to episode four. Okay, and then episode eight. Oh God. Well, no, they're they're all. I mean, they're all good, but I'm just saying those specific. I love it when you're ones. watching someone else. Like, let me know as soon as you watch episode four, <laughs> minute fourteen, sixty, sixteen seconds. Just, just let nothing happens. Nothing happens. Just let me know the second you watch. It. <laughs> <laughs> That's really true. Yes, yes. Mm. But I also have this feeling that you needed a mental health day, and you took a journey somewhere. Where did you go? I did. I marched my happy little behind over to Tattered Cover and I bought some fun horror themed books. So I got My Heart is a Chainsaw, which is by a local author. And I'm only a little bit into it, but it's basically 80s slasher themed uh, horror that this girl lives through. Definitely going to throw out trigger warnings for the beginning of that book for people. Um, and then the other one I got that I'm really excited to read is the final girl support group. Um, so I figured it is now officially spooky season and I can read the spooky stuff. Not that I don't read it all year long, but um, <laughs> these are my two big books that I definitely wanted to get. Awesome. Yeah. And, and they are turning the final girl support group into a show and I am very excited about that. So, yeah. Now, this one's going to be a little bit more tricky, but I'm going to try and predict what Tiff is into, too. Just a little bit more because my psychic energy is waning. So, Tiff, you are, you've discovered a new ship, Ben and Noel, Benol, and you are now into Benol from Felicity. Right, Tiff? <laughs> Benol. <laughs> I did. Okay. So, I did like a couple of the gifts that you put <laughs> on Twitter. So I guess you could say, yes, I'm into Benol. <laughs> I'm riding that ship until it sinks. <laughs> Which will be very soon. That applies in ever since sail <laughs> There are no fix. <laughs> it's like, it's like when Captain Jack Sparrow is riding in <laughs> and his ship is sinking and he just steps up into the dock. It's a submarine with rolled down windows. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What am I into? Um, right now, I Netflix dropped the first four episodes of the final season, which uh, TV, I'm so sad about. Uh, Grace and Frankie. I watched them in like, I don't know, an hour and a half, all four of them. <laughs> and I'm like, where's the rest of it, Netflix? And then it pops up on the screen. 
Ah, final episodes, 2022. Curses. <laughs> Foiled again. <laughs> so um, besides that, regular TV, I'm watching Drain the Oceans, uh, which is pretty cool if you like ocean stuff. Um, they basically take 3D imaging uh, and scans of the ocean floor and then through the magic of television and computers, they drain the water down. So you can see everything like, they, they basically go hunting like for shipwrecks. So it's pretty dope. Um, the last one they did was like uh, shipwrecks in Venice and they were something from like 13th century. So it was really cool. So that's what I'm into. Awesome. Uh, well, this, I almost forgot to say what I was into, but um, this is Aaron and I don't need psychic abilities, but I do need to live in, <laughs> In a wait, 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 wait. I might have be having a psychic okay, condition. Sasha. Um, I'm feeling hairband. I'm feeling dirty rock god energy. Oh my god! And you are a sprinkle of it's... reality, right? Yeah. Oh, mind blown. Mind completely blown. Yes, I am watching the behind the music. Behind the Music is back on Paramount Plus. And so I decided tonight before we recorded to watch this very, very deep portrait of Brett Michaels. I mean, if you want to talk about a deep, deep artist <laughs> with many layers and many layers to his song, especially when he starts talking again about every rose has its thorn, you will be shedding a tear or two or just feeling the shame that I felt at the fact that I was watching this and the fact that I will watch anything Brett Michaels does. And I don't understand this thing because I don't like the guy, but I watch anything he does. Rock of Love. I loved that show. So I'm living in shame. That's what, that's what I'm You are the to. moth drawn to his flame. <laughs> hey, that rhymed. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> We're writing our own song here. We'll write it tonight. <laughs> Carla will, be, Carla will be so jealous. <laughs> I know. I'm like, thanks, Carla. Um, okay. So let's get into Buffy Revisited. Although, like I said, it's really only revisited for Sasha and I and listeners too, I guess. So I want to know some of three of your favorite episodes, Meg. Okay. So I know that there are like kind of three, I think, iconic episodes, you could say, for the show. So I'm not going to take all of them. It would be really easy for me to just like pop those up. I'm going to take one of them though. Cause hush is one of my favorites. The, the whole, the whole slideshow, the overhead projection and stuff like that. Well, Buffy, yeah, Buffy. Um, it's genuinely scary, but also funny. And another one that I really like is the gift, the season five finale. I just thought that was such a beautiful I mean, feel however you want about Dawn. That was a beautiful ending for Buffy. That was such a, an amazing episode. And and I am a huge fan of Spike. So, like, just seeing him all sad and in pain. Like, I am a slut for angst and sad Spike. <laughs> I, I live for it. Um, and then, again, because I really like Spike a lot, uh, smashed. But mostly just the last, the last bit of the show. <laughs> Um, it's just, it's really, it's really kind of, it's a really painful kind of toxic, heartbreaking episode overall. But then the very end when Spike and Buffy finally sleep together and they literally screw a house down 
to the found like they crack the foundation. Yes. Ooh. Yes. It's painful. It's toxic. It's like it's it's mm-hmm. all of the things. Just give all of it to me, please. Yeah. So those are those are three of my favorites because I didn't want to take like some of the the other ones are absolutely favorites too, but I didn't want to be a butthead and take them. Oh, <laughs> okay, all of them will be gone by the time I get around, get around to me. But yeah, but not was, because of me. <laughs> that's true. I can't blame you. I'll it'll blame it me. all on. Uh, well, no, it'll be Tiff's fault. I'm going to blame it all on Tiff. Yeah, yeah, that 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 um, yeah, that's one of the highest um, sex scenes of any show in the world so sexy oh yeah (laughs) like even with the really corny zipper sound like that's the cheesiest part of the whole thing that almost takes you out of it almost because like i don't need to hear the zipper to know what they're doing like it's i'm more surprised that he was able to hike up that long leather skirt enough to get the job done (laughs) can i just say that was pretty darn hot though when he hiked that skirt up oh it was yeah. like he pulled the skirt up and she moved it to the side wow i'm, wow. I'm surprised she was still actually wearing clothes at all because yeah, they should have melted off by that point yeah they should have just melted from his hotness because it, <gasps> it was wow wow <sighs> We're all just because it's going to be two hours of just talking about how hot Spike is in in that scene. Yeah. Well, you know they couldn't have done that on the WB. That was when it moved to UPN. So right. Yeah. The last two seasons were on UPN. There is absolutely no way that would have flown on the WB. (laughs) Right. (laughs) What do you mean? That's That's very true. It was not wholesome. (laughs) Very good point. It It was holy. And Sasha, what are your th- three of your favorites? Um, my top three are probably, you know, in everybody's top. So my top one has to be Once More with Feeling. Just because, like, how can it not be? That's one of the right. ones I wouldn't take. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks. The other two that I like, another one is Hush. That one just gets me mm-hmm. every time. Um, and I think it's just the visuals in it and the way that it all happens. Uh, and then the third one is uh, Restless, and that's the one where they're all dreaming about the first Slayer, okay. where they're all asleep, and they're all having the dream about the first Slayer, and Buffy has to encounter her, and Tara's doing, like, the interpreting, because she's nonverbal. I just, I like the visual of that, you know, just kind of the, how it all comes together. It's very trippy looking, and so those are my top three, because, you know, I can't just have the sex scene as an entire episode which i mean 45 minutes i'm okay with that <laughs> and in case people aren't guessing we are all team spike on this episode so there's what? gonna be no debating that <laughs> and tiff what are your three what do you mean we're all team spike <laughs> i don't know what you speak <laughs> okay so of course you know, a lot of them were taken by, by Meg and Sasha because you have outstanding tastes and you know what you're doing. So your wisdom is sound and your your knowledge infallible. So I applaud you. Um, so I won't reiterate the ones that you've already said because they are also, of course, favorites of mine. So I'm going to go with, even though it's the most devastating hour of TV that I've ever seen, and I'm going to go with the body. I have never 
probably boohooed over an episode of TV like I boohooed over the body. Uh, the, the fact that there was, and I know Hush obviously had no dialogue, uh, but it still had um, the tracking on it. So there was still um, a score underneath it. Mm-hmm. The body was all dialogue and no score under it. And if you've never seen um, television with no score, it is, it's haunting and it's uh, surreal. And the way it's uh, shot, the cinematographer almost put like, um, it felt like there was a, a misty quality to the way uh, the, the pictures were coming. I don't know if it was just me, but that's, uh, that's how it felt. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt almost like we were looking at a fog like Buffy was looking through a fog uh, over what happened. Um, so besides that, I'm going to go back to season two and passion. And that's when uh, Jenny is trying to make amends with Giles. Obviously, Angelus is back uh, and he is tormenting Buffy by tormenting her friends. And he is absolutely fantastic at it. Shout out to David Boreanaz because he really played evil really, really well. He, I mean, his angel was good, but his angelus is like on another level. And when he's like creeping out from the tree and he's looking at Buffy in the window, so creepy. Uh, And that ending scene when he snaps Jenny's neck that shot against the window, I mean, chef's kiss. It's just my fantastic. And for the last one, I'm going to go with kind of a fun one, uh, Tabula Rasa, which I find hilarious because, uh, of course, Willow doing her magic and everything's going wrong because Willow obviously got hooked on the juice and got hooked on the magics. Um, and so if for those that don't know, she's cast a spell so Buffy forgets about her time in heaven. And it goes horribly wrong, so everybody loses their memory. Um, the way <laughs> Giles thinks that Spike is his son because I they're know. both, <laughs> they're both amazing. British. It's amazing. amazing. It's amazing. And uh, <laughs> when Willow tells Xander, I think I'm a little gay. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I mean, that whole episode is just, it's just fun. It really is. It's just fun. Um, So, yeah. So those are my three. Of course, I mean, all seven seasons are pretty much like my favorite. I only have like maybe, maybe like two or three episodes that I just did not like. That just didn't feel like, it didn't fit the the Buffyverse. But yeah, probably maybe three that I don't like. Same. Yeah, I, I totally, totally agree. Um, yeah, and I was I was like, okay, I'm gonna mention one where they all lose their memory. I'm sure no one's gonna mention them. <laughs> it was one of the, it was on my list of the ones I wasn't gonna say because I didn't want to take them. <laughs> it was so funny. Uh, because I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna be but but I agree. And the that whole part with with Giles and Spike was so hilarious. And then when Spike realizes he's a vampire and he scared himself, it's just, I mean, I, I just loved watching that because it was such a different kind of side of Spike. So that was really, really, really funny. I'm gonna go back to season two, actually, too. And I I am a I'm a Spike, Team Spike. I was a Spike and Buffy shipper. 
But before that, I actually was an Angel and Buffy shipper. And even taking that out of it, I do think the episodes like Surprise and Innocence are, are really good because I love the way this show handled this parallel of showing this guy who was like so sweet and angelic, <laughs> really. And then the second they have sex, he turns into this monster. So it was just an interesting parallel about what can happen, what can actually happen, you know, like you have sex and it's this big deal. And then the guy like disappears or vanishes or is a complete asshole after that. So I really think those episodes are so well done and the performances are great and watching the heartbreak with Buffy and, and the way Sarah Michelle Geller played that was great. And I agree. David Boreanaz as playing evil is amazing. And when you rewatch it, I'm like, oh, I would have preferred to have Angelus in this so much more than Angel. <laughs> because Angel is just, we've talked about this before, and I know it's one of Meg's least favorite things in vampire things, but his brooding is just like, it's like, you're a vampire. Come on, have some fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, his Angelus, his evil side when he, without a soul is like evil. He is like worse than probably any other vampire on the show, honestly. Uh, so I thought that was really great. Watching any of that was wonderful. The episode where, and I can't remember the name of it because I had all the ones and then they all got ta taken. So I should have ones. <laughs> but the one where Buffy has to relive doing the same thing over and over again in the shop. And she has, there's that hand and she has to stop that hand. <laughs> I can't remember what it's called, but I don't know what it is about that. But I think it's, if you've ever worked retail, it's like this great way of showing <laughs> the quote unquote joys of working retail. So I really liked that a lot. And I think I'm just going to call out the finale because I think the finale of the show is excellent. Really great. Um, and as much as they kind of expanded the universe there in that final season, they actually made it a lot really intimate at the end. I love the final scene between Buffy and Spike. You know, I, I, it was beautiful. It was sweet. And, you know, her even saying, I love you. And I'm like, I, I know that's not true, but thank you for saying that. And it was just a really, really nice scene to see. So yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll shout those out, but I do agree. There's only a couple episodes in this show that I don't like. I think this show is one of those few that's one of the few shows that's pretty much perfect. <laughs> What's the Thanksgiving one or whatever? They tie Spike up to the chair. Oh, I love oh that. My God, I yes. can't remember that the name. Episode is so good. But it's it's so, awesome. so funny. It is hilarious. That episode and, is good. And then I've been scrolling all... through IMDb looking. <laughs> I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna try and find it too. When they stare, like <laughs> when they when Buffy finds out that Angel was in Sunnydale and nobody told her, and they're all <laughs> and that shot, they're all staring at her like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, I love that! I love that. Mm -hmm. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that was so good. That was so good. They did such a good job making blending comedy and kind of not. I guess I. I wouldn't call it horror so much, but they did a really good job with the the, the drama and the comedy and the and I guess the horror to it, where you had really really serious moments and some really scary moments, and then just the most ridiculous things like the Buffy bot, which is so creepy and really so creepy. so scary in its own way. That's not like a horror centric thing, 
but at the same time, watching Sarah Michelle Geller be Buffy Bot, I just found really entertaining. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, it's like the whole doppelganger when Willow is dressed up as her evil self and she like smiles mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, it's me, like, you know, trying to clue them in, <laughs> you know, and she's like, I think I heard a noise. You may want to go check on that. Like she's trying to play evil. Yeah. You know, it's walking that line of the the funny and the, the spooky because that's another great episode, too. The Thanksgiving episode for those that want to watch it is season four, episode eight. It's called Pangs. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's you. the one where Xander gets every illness known to man. <laughs> I, I definitely did not just write that down to watch it if I'm still awake by the end of this recording. Nice. Nice. I think you should. Okay. Well, before we get into favorite characters or three of our favorite characters, I'm going to limit this though, because I know we all love Spike and we all love Buffy. So those those two are off the table. (laughs) Just going to throw that out there. We did do a poll of if you were team Spike or team Angel and Spike really won on Twitter. But I will say what's interesting on Instagram is we had quite a few responses for Angel and then we had a couple people saying it's complicated. I know panelist MJ, who hasn't been on a while, but I know she does not like Spike at all. She thinks it's disgusting and doesn't, yeah, she's not a Spike fan at all. So it's always surprising to me when I find people that don't like Spike. But I wanted to throw that out there that not everybody is. It's, it's more surprising if you find anyone who likes Riley, to oh, be gosh. honest. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's true. Oh, I've yet to find anyone who does. So I'm sure they're out there, though. I don't yeah. think so. I, I feel like it's been. They're not in this room. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's been over 20 years. I feel like if they they would they would show up at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> nope. Okay. Well, Meg, what are three of your favorite characters other than Buffy and Spike? Okay, so I'm going to go with Giles because Anthony Head is just fantastic. And I just, I love him. And and I actually, Tiff is one of the people who got me watching Buffy fairly recently as far as, I think it was like 2014, I think, or 15, I started, I've watched it for the first time. Um, And so watching Giles, I think, as an adult woman versus as a high schooler, he hit a little bit different for me. I was just like, yes, I can. Yes, I I love all of the things. I love his accent. I love how much he cares about these kids. I love that he recognizes it. It's kind of weird. um, This relationship he has with these kids. But I just I love him so much. He is so smart and patient and just I just I love him um I love Anya I just I think she is such an interesting character to and her character arc was really wonderfully done we talked Tiff talked a bit about the body and to watch her kind of break down and not grasp or understand the finite span of human life and and how someone can be there and not for for no reason. They didn't die in battle. They didn't get killed by anything. They just, they're just gone. And it was just one of the most heartbreaking and beautiful moments. Um, if she had killed Xander, I would not have blamed her even any percent. Because who, what kind of idiot leaves a demon at the altar? I, I don't know. 
Um, and yeah, now that I don't have Spike, I have to think for a second. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna say mostly from Angel Cordelia. I love Cordelia. I love she's just she is very much the '90s mean girl. Um, but she really grows a lot in Angel. And I know we're not really talking about Angel. And I do wish Angelus had stuck around way longer than Angel because Angel was boring and sappy. But I just, I I love most of these characters. There's a few characters I really, really hate. So it's kind of tough to to not go with the obvious, like you said, Bucky and Bucky, Buffy. <laughs> wow. You just can't get that out of your head. Freudian slip. Uh, Buffy and Spike, it's really easy to kind of narrow in on those two. But yeah. I, I think they're all great. So, yeah. And Sasha. Um, well, Giles. And the same thing. Like when I watched it originally, it was like, okay. But as an adult, having rewatched it, I was like, I totally get Giles. Like, I'm there. I'm with you, dude. He's so tired all the time. <laughs> yes. And as a teacher, I feel that. Like in my soul, I feel that. So definitely Giles. Um, I know you took spike away from me and i don't know what to do now you know and giles always cleaning <laughs> his like <laughs> i know um i i'm gonna throw out drew just because her whole thing is heartbreaking like when you find out why she's as mad as a hatter her story is actually really kind of sad um but i love how well acted she was like she was she was just perfect um so i'm gonna throw out drew and then i don't know I just, i'm with meg like i just i like them all and she took spike away just like son of a bitch yeah i don't yeah i just i like them all tara maybe because Tara comes in and is just like, she's this beacon of hope and innocence. And then she just gets taken out in a horrible, horrible, not cool way. Yeah. One of the bad things this show did. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going there. And I'm going to quickly just state a very controversial opinion. I do not like Drusilla at all. I cannot stand Drusilla. She's one of my least favorite characters on the show. I know. I'm sorry. You also like oatmeal raisin cookies. So <laughs> I feel like your judgment is askew. I'm I the think only it's... person in the world that doesn't like her. So I, I'm I just think it's that so, Erin, I think it's mm. so funny the weird things you and I agree and disagree on. And they always seem to be like core fundamental things like <laughs> oatmeal cookies <laughs> Oatmeal raisin cookies and then Drusilla. You and don't it's like very... her? No, no, I like her. That's what I'm saying. Is these are very important <laughs> things in life. We agree on the cookies, disagree on probably possibly one of the most tragic characters on this whole show. I mean, she was bad, but just because she's a bad guy doesn't mean she's That's... a bad guy. <laughs> That's not why I don't like her. I know. Just... <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I don't like her because I'll be honest, it's just the way she was written in the performance and the, it was hard to watch personally. So it was just a per matter of taste, but I know I'm always like, should I even say this? But Hey, and Tiff, you're, you're three. Say it with your chest. Aaron. 
even though I totally disagree with saying with the chest. <laughs> One of the few things Tiff and I disagree, because Tiff and I usually agree on We that. usually are on the same page. Mm -hmm. Like we were riding down the same freeway generally. So this yep. is this is odd for me. <laughs> um, so I'm going to reiterate Giles. Yes, Giles, Giles, Giles. Especially when you realize what type of bad a double snakes he was as like a young adult and a teenager ripper you all remember that <laughs> giles was uh giles was tearing it up in uh merry old england so i like seeing his progression from something like that to how he was as a librarian he was a very good librarian uh and then he got so mad when the library had moved to like mainly computers. <laughs> Everything was computerized. He's like, where are the books? <laughs> um, I really, yeah, I love Giles. And I'm the same way. I feel the same way, Sasha, because I watched Buffy in real time. Yes, mm -hmm. I'm that old. And I watched it when it first came out in 1997. And as a kid, you feel like, okay, uh, he's so adult. And then as an adult, you're like, Totally get you, dude. Totally understand. I, I get it. These kids are so irritating. Love them, but they're so irritating. Uh, <laughs> um, and I remember when he went blind. <laughs> and he was just, he was like, I just got a drink. <laughs> Giles, Giles, Giles. Yes, so Giles, and Meg is correct, Anthony uh, Head, who is a fantastic actor, and he's classically trained. Um, he's great in everything. So if you haven't seen him in other stuff, he's excellent. Uh, so check him out in other stuff besides Buffy. Um, Anya, yes, I agree, Meg, because Anya's progression also, when she turns her back on being a vengeance demon, it's really, really interesting to see how she is as a human and to see, you know, she still got that. She's still got the like the soul of a vengeance demon. She still likes her vengeance, but she doesn't have power. So that's really funny. And I will forever love her <laughs> fear of bunnies. Me too, man. <laughs> She's such a weird, like scary thing that will kill you, but you just want to cuddle with her all the time. Man, and her her ending, um, I actually was really upset that because I'm like, if anybody's going to survive, it's Anya. She's a survivor. She's not somebody who gets who gets killed. So, you know, when you see her in that finale and chosen um, and she's just laying there and she's bloodied and she's not moving. That was hard to watch, um, especially because she saved. I mean, she saved Andrew. <laughs> and and Andrew, oh my gosh, Andrew, Andrew, Andrew. <laughs> I'm not going to go into Andrew, except the fact that he says vampire. Uh, but <laughs> um, and besides those two, I might be a little controversial, and I'm going to say Faith, because I thought she gave the show a real punch when she came. I mean, because she is the polar opposite of Buffy. She's, you know, you've got, here's Buffy, blonde, lighthearted, pretty bubbly. And then you've got Faith, dark hair, dark interior, <laughs> dark soul. And you see what happens. She gets turned um, and she lets the evil overtake her. Whereas, you know, that wouldn't 
ever happened to Buffy. Uh, and Eliza Dushku, she had some really great episodes, uh, especially the crossover to Angel. She did some really great work uh, on Angel as well. So, yes, those are my three. Giles, Anya, and Faith. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be saying anybody new. I'll say for, for Anya, I'll say, you know, I have a fear of bunnies. It's one of the only animals that I fear. Like, I don't fear sharks. I don't fear snakes. But bunnies terrify me. And I'm not, I'm not even joking. I mean, I will be able to look at one and see one. They, they're everywhere where I live. Like they're everywhere. So they're always around stalking me. But <laughs> so I know they did it because it's so funny and silly to have a case to have somebody be actually afraid of bunnies. But it was one of the many, many reasons that I loved Anya because she was just, she was just so great and wonderful and complicated and watching her grow and try to navigate world the world as a human but not as a human and as a demon and a, and her falling in love and watching that story and then her love of money i mean her absolute love of money was so hilarious to me <laughs> she just loved money and it wasn't one of those things where you're like oh my gosh this is so annoying to watch it fit her so it was like perfect and it was it was it was wonderful um, and yeah, and Giles, I'll second that. I'll say there is this movie called Repo, the Genetic Opera, which it's a horror movie, but it's also kind of almost a musical. Um, it's about people who donate organs and then the organs get repossessed and all this stuff. And Anthony Head is in it. That's the only reason I'm mentioning this movie. So go check that weird, weird movie out if you want more of him. But yeah, I, I same thing. I watched the show in real time too. And so Giles was kind of like, he was okay and he had his moments, but he was annoying when you were younger. You're just like, okay, whatever, let's get to the others. But then when you rewatch it, it is true. You're like, oh my gosh, he's the most relatable character on the whole show. Yeah, because it's true. They're all so obnoxious. <laughs> it's one of the most horrifying things to realize, especially because I have two kids, um, when as you get older, you start identifying more and more with the parents on TV shows. And that's a really sad realization when you're watching like one of your favorite shows from when you were younger, like a teen or a tween. And you're like, why don't you just listen to your mom? Like, that's a sad moment. Like, <laughs> yeah. you have to take a step back and be like, oh, okay, mm -hmm. maybe this show's not for me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was re and Roseanne is a horrible, awful person, but I was rewatching. I used to watch that show when I was younger. I watched the original Roseanne because it actually, that's why it's to me, it's like uh, that you're so far removed from what that show was supposed to be about. But anyway, but when I watched it older as an adult, when I was younger, I was like totally like the kids' age. So I was like on the kids' side. And then you watch it older and you're like, man, these kids are such spoiled, rotten little brats. <laughs> The way they talk, especially Becky, I was always like, oh my gosh, you are such a brat. <laughs> just say thank you. <laughs> and I'm like, your parents are just barely scraping by and you're just acting like a little entitled brat. <laughs> so it is funny because that does happen when you watch these things when you're old. It didn't happen when I was watching Dawson's Creek because those parents are so unbelievable that I <laughs> <that's> really, <laughs> it's like, okay, whatever. You're poorly written. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, and then as far as like a third one, 
it's hard because I, like I, everyone's pretty much been taken. So it's like, it, it's a combo of a lot of them, you know? Um, I think I'm just going to say Angelus just because I, I think watching that evil side was so awesome and amazing. And he was so evil. And I, Bet David Boreanaz loved playing that side probably more than he loved playing regular Angel would be my guess. I don't know this, of course, but that would be my guess because it just looks like that must have been so much fun. And it was more fun to watch him do that than to brood and brood and brood and brood and brood. <laughs> just got old. So, yeah. Well, as, as a treat to my panelists, since I took him off the table, I will let my panelists briefly talk about how much they love Spike since it's not even on the outline. So I want to make sure. <laughs> and especially since Megan Tiff didn't get to do that in the original one. I know we talked about it when we talked about it first, but so Meg, go ahead and, and rave away about Spike. You can rave away about Buffy too, if you want to. But oh, Spike. Spike is here for a good time and a long time. He is like, we talked about how much, uh, Angel drives me crazy as and and Edward Cullen is the same kind of thing when you talk about like, like these like brooding sad faced vampires and they're just like oh my god woe is me I had like no you can't change it just enjoy it have fun you get to live for hundreds of years and it'll be a while before you start to get bored like I, I love the vampires who are here to like feed and fuck and I love that. They're here. They're willing and happy to try anything in any situation. I love that so much. And Spike embodies that so, so much. And when he does get his soul, when he does kind of have that character arc, um, I think it's really realistic when he does it. Like, he he gets his soul, but it doesn't change the essence of who he is as a person. He he softens a little bit. And he does some really horrible, horrific horrific gross things and i feel like that's something we're probably going to talk about a little bit later um but overall i just i he's my favorite kind of vampire he's just he's he knows who he is he's enjoying it he's not gonna waste time feeling sad about what happened to him or why he's a vampire he just rolls with it and he's like you know yeah i guess i'm evil but he's like the fun kind i don't know i don't know he's amazing and i love him and he'll fuck a house down with me and i'm okay with that <laughs> <laughs> i will die at the end of it i am sure because i do not have i do not have the chosen ones like that's true i don't, don't know have the slayer stamina the slayer stamina or or bone consistency like i cannot survive any of the things i like i hurt myself going upstairs i would not be a good slayer um but that would be fine he could break me in half and i would be okay with that um he's just but i do love it i do love how and i think it's really interesting because angel has a soul when we meet him so he's but he's just such a he's just so such a downer and i loved angelus coming back because you're right he has had so much fun mm -hmm. and i don't know what it is like if you're gonna be a predator if you're gonna be a quote-unquote monster embrace it and enjoy it and that's just so much more fun to watch and i think that really made spike's character development so much more interesting to see because it didn't feel like it was coming. Like we saw it progress and it was so interesting to see him in love with Buffy 
without his soul mm-hmm. versus with his soul and how the core of that didn't necessarily change, but it became a much less possessive love kind of. So yeah, I love him so much. Okay. I, I'm going to stop now. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I've got to give them a chance to talk about Spike. That's very mean of me if I don't. <laughs> so Sasha. <laughs> um, Everything that Meg said, I, everything. But I also want to point out, like, there's this storyline where he's, is he writing poetry before he's a vampire? Like, when he gets turned, oh, yes. writing, like, he's this <laughs> fuzzy, fluffy, lovey, dovey kind Mama's of boy. Dork. Mama's boy. <laughs> yes. And then he turns into this rough and tumble Billy Idol punk rock take down the house vampire but it just cracks me up that he's got this like light and fluffy start and then he turns into this thing so he didn't start off as a monster mm-hmm. he's like as innocent as they come and just this romantic um the other thing i love about spike is um well the actor first of all i mean i think he he does a great job yes. there but I love the parts where he is like when he gets the chip in his head and he goes to bite Willow and can't. And she's like, is there something wrong with me? He's like, I, if I could bite you, I would bite you. Like I, I want to bite you. And he can't, you know, I think there's a scene where he's, is he standing behind Joyce? And he's like, yeah. Doing the vampire thing. Like, yeah, he's just over the top. And he has a lot of those moments. What's the out for a walk bitch or whatever it is? You know, it's, he just has these moments where you're like, Oh my God, I will acknowledge that he has some problematic. There's problematic scenes with him. And I get that. But overall, I just, I adore him. I just think he's so hysterical and cute and he's just fun. And he's doing it for the fun. Yep. And Tiff. So, yes, totally agree with, with Meg and with Sasha. Spike, as a very terrible poet, is <laughs> just uh, amazing. Um, a mama's boy, as, as Meg said. Uh, and it's, it's funny to see how he was because he's got so much bluster and uh, bravado as a vampire, but as a human, he was very, very uh, meek and, and mild, a bit of a bumbler. So his, when he first gets that chip implanted, it's so funny because, you know, obviously he still wants to be evil and his evilness is taken, well, the physical manifestation of his evilness is taken away, but he still can uh, can feel that evil bubbling bubbling within, which is hilarious to me because he can't act on it. You know, every time he's he so tries, impotent, he is impotent. <laughs> he tries to punch somebody, and he's like, ah, <laughs> which is hilarious to me. Um, I have to say that when uh, Principal Woods tr- finds out that Spike was the one who who murdered his mom, who was a slayer. Uh, the only slayer that we know of to have children, to have a child. Uh, when he tries to turn him back to evil um, and Spike fights it, which is pretty amazing considering how he was. Uh, so you see that progression in his personality. And 
I'd also like to point out that Spike, and he mentions this to Angel, he fought for his soul. Spike went out and he got his soul. He had to fight those trials and he got his soul back. Mm -hmm. Angel was just like cursed with it. You know, and Spike is like, uh, you were just giving it. I had to go fight for it. <laughs> and I find that so interesting um, that because what vampire do you know would would want a soul? Vampires don't want souls. There's no way they do. So that just goes to show you what type of um, how what type of personality he had and how much he really did uh, love Buffy, even with that awful, terrible thing that happened that I know we will speak on, as Meg said later. Um, it's, he's he's one of those characters, I think that obviously the show has now been off for, oh my gosh, what, 18 years? And we're still talking about him in uh, pop culture. Uh, and he's one of those characters that is going to always stick with people. His, uh, his one of his finale, uh, not a speech, but, what he told Buffy when he said, um, you know, when he's, I'm paraphrasing, he said, you know, I've lived, you know, for 200 years. I've seen a lot of things. I've done a lot of things. He's like, uh, you're a hell of a woman. You know, he tells her that he's like, you are, you're the one. And I, every time I hear that, I just kind of swoon <laughs> every single time. It's, it's really swoon worthy because it's a, it's simple what he's telling her but he's saying it from the heart and, and he's saying it with so much passion behind it. And oh my gosh, like Nick said, I just love him. I do. Mm -hmm. I love him so much. Oh my goodness. Well, Plus uh, Billy Idol Spike is, is very cool. He's on the subway. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, and, and that when, when I can't remember the episode or necessarily all the lines from it, that scene where Buffy kind of gets kicked out of her own house by Faith and the other ones, and he goes with her and he's just, I, I'm thinking that maybe the same scene that you're talking about, Tip, but I don't. Yes, no, you're thinking of the same. It is the same episode. And okay. When he, when he defends her to yes. the rest of the people and he shames the hell out of them. He just tells them, you all are dead mm -hmm. wrong. You kicked her out of her own house. I wanted to stab all those fools in their eyeballs. Seriously. Dawn, stab. Xander, stab. Willow, stab. And all those stupid potential slayers. Stab, 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 stab. Mm -hmm. Um, because how do you kick somebody out of their own house? That, that that's just ridiculous. But then, like he crawls in bed with her, like he just that that support was just amazing. And sorry, I oh, you don't have to apologize. <laughs> I know, but I just like I could keep going, and I'm like I shouldn't because we have other stuff to talk about. <laughs> yeah, just do this uh, yeah, I'll just I'll just briefly just add. You know, the the biggest disappointment I've ever felt in my life was knowing that that accent wasn't real. <laughs> I mean, I love you, James Marsters, but oh my gosh, learning that you are American was one of the biggest letdowns in my life. <laughs> and I think where, where I learned it was there used to be this show on VH1 that was such a great show that, of course, it got canceled, but it was all about, like, they'd have guest panels panelists on, and they would talk about some of their favorite rock albums and songs and stuff and he's like really big into music and he was on there i'm like wait a minute you're you're american no it was it was like just my heart just <laughs> the dream is crushed <laughs> i'm like no 
no. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, that's about all. I mean, I just, I love Spike. Spike is one of my top five favorite vampires ever. Um, I'm not a blonde, I'm not into blondes usually. And he is just incredibly sexy. He's just so sexy. And I mean, just, he is someone you would want to tear up a room with. He would be just so much fun to do that with. He'd be so much fun to play with. And yeah, I just, I, I just love him so much. And those cheekbones, oh, yeah, those cheekbones are just, I've never seen cheekbones like that in my life. <laughs> they're just incredible. It's like they're carved. It's just really amazing. And, you know, watching his character um, grow and change and develop. I mean, it's the ultimate enemies to love lovers storyline ever is this one really. Um, and watching him fall for Buffy and how much he hates falling for Buffy. I mean, he just really hates it at first and then he gets into it and then he really does fall in love with her. And yes, he does a horrible thing that we will talk about. The one thing I will say though, is that I think, you know, even though I hate that that happened, what I think is interesting about having that in here is that it kind of reminds you that I think people kind of laid back and went, oh, wait, he's good now. He's a good guy. But no, he's a monster. He's a monster. I mean, we all love him, but he's a vampire and he's a monster. He's not like a good guy. So even though that was a horrendous, horrible thing to happen, and it's hard to reckon with still liking him after that, but at the same time, it's fitting in with who he is as, as a monster. I mean, really. So I'm not at all excusing him doing it. I'm just saying that there's a reason behind that because it's not like, I think we kind of at that point had forgotten that. And even though he would still do bad things, I think the audience had forgotten that this is a monster and this isn't a human being anymore, you know? So, and then him fighting for his soul and him in the last season was really hard. It was really painful to watch him there because he was going through a lot. Um, but he, and the performance was great. And once again, biggest heartbreak in my life. <laughs> Not really, but one of them. <laughs> that was such a disappointment. I'm like, yeah, no. he wasn't a natural blonde. I put this on the schedule already because our first Buffy episode was pretty popular. And I knew we were going to be looking at WB shows. And while this show, of course, as, as Tiff mentioned earlier, this show didn't stay on the WB the whole time. It went over to the UPN along with um, Roswell, which we were also going to discuss, but we'll discuss that at some other time. But right, you know, of course, I, it was already on the schedule. And then everything came out about Joss Whedon, which Joss Whedon had already been talked about for a long time. It wasn't like this was a new thing. But of course, Charisma Carpenter released um, her, her thing. And Ray Fisher had been speaking out about Joss Whedon and how racist Joss Whedon was um, and uh, on the set of um, Batman versus Superman. Wasn't that what it was? Um, or was it the I, Megan? Was, it, just, was, was it Justice League? League? Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, everybody. And nobody would listen to Ray Fisher um, because, you know, racism and nobody wanted to listen to him. And nobody wanted to listen to a lot of people because people have been talking about Joss Whedon being problematic forever. And there's this whole weird reckoning with it as, as a woman, too, because he's written these things like Buffy is thought of as this very feminist icon, you know, and this show about about a woman having a lot of power and a, and a female superhero who doesn't I mean, she has powers, but, you know, still she's human 
And so having to reckon with that and then also reexamining that media and seeing these problematic aspects that are coming from Joss Whedon. And so I want to talk about that because we've talked a little bit about that before, about separating the art from the artist. Um, and so I, I'm guessing just by the way people have reacted that we have been able to, but I want to just discuss if there's been any issues with that for you, Meg, with trying to separate the Buffy from Joss Whedon, or is it changed? Um, I feel like kind of for me, having come into the show afterwards and kind of hearing some of the allegations against Joss Whedon before I even started watching the show, it was one of those things where I just... I just had already pried him away from Firefly, which is one of my favorite shows of all time that I had watched years prior. And I feel like kind of once you're able to to break those bonds and, and have the death of the author, it's easier to apply that a little bit more. Um, I do firmly believe in death of the author. I feel like once it's out there, it's not, yours anymore it's everybody's and similar to some other incredibly popular creators who have come out to be incredibly toxic and problematic and downright awful that doesn't negate the personal good that comes from their work and it's really hard to have that reckoning with yourself and to be like well can i really support this if it's going to benefit somebody who's terrible, but the thing is, it's going to benefit it. If it benefits you, if it feeds your soul and you're able to separate that from the, from the person or people who created it, I don't think it's fair to us to, to deprive ourselves of that. If I'm being perfectly honest, I know Buffy means even to me, I was a grown adult watching it. Um, but this show means so much to so many people and it really became a touchstone for so many people growing up or, or even now that it's unfair to us to not be able to have that anymore. We deserve it. Joss does not deserve it, but we deserve it. And I just feel like it's, it's really hard to do and it takes a lot of kind of soul searching to be kind of, I don't know, a little cheesy about it, I guess. Um, and and there are certain there are certain creators or, or actors and stuff that I can't do that with. I can't separate them from their art. But this is one of those things where I'm not willing to give up what I love because somebody else's actions. Like it just, it's. And it's hard to do. And it's hard to say that, yes, it's, I still think it's a feminist show. I don't think one person takes away from all of the amazing work that everybody else did on that show. Because everybody else, it was not just him. It's not just Joss Whedon's show. It is everybody who was a writer, an actor, the grips, produce, like everybody who created it was a part of it. It wasn't just him. And I feel like one person doesn't deserve, doesn't get to have that kind of power to take that away from everybody who was a part of it, including the people who 
it resonated with so deeply. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sasha. Yes. All the things. Yes. I completely agree with Meg. I think what makes it easier to separate him from Buffy than say individual actors that are problematic is that he, it's just his name that's attached to it because you're right. There's, so many more people involved in that project than just him. Um, so it makes it a little bit easier, at least for me, it makes it a lot easier for me to just be like, he doesn't exist. I can pretend like he's not part of it because I don't want to eliminate all of the hard work. Like you said, all of the people, cast, crew, you know, everybody that worked on that show and made it what it is, it would suck for them to lose their validity because of the actions of him um, and to have them feel like they're not worthy and that people don't appreciate their art because they're the ones who made it, you know? And so I feel like it's easier for me to separate him from Buffy because he's not, he's not Buffy. He's not Spike and he's not the Scooby gang and he's not any of that. So it's a little bit easier. And I do still think that, you know, I mean, come on, Buffy's a badass woman. Like, we got to give it to her. So, yeah. But everything Meg said. Yeah. yeah. And Tiff? Uh, there's a saying that one monkey don't stop the show. And I think that's really apropos for Joss Whedon because... Uh, as Meg and Sasha stated so eloquently, this show encompasses more than Joss Whedon. He might be the showrunner, but he was not everything to the show. Um, the engine that made the show was Sarah Michelle Gellar. It was uh, Allison Hannigan. It was um, Nicholas Brendan. Um, it, it was so many people involved with that and I think you know a big part of that were the writers rooms uh the writers room on that um I'm thinking about the head writer Marty Knoxon who wrote some absolutely outstanding episodes and her stamp is all over the series um so I think even she's probably written the majority of my favorite episodes Marty Knoxon probably has her name on it so I think it's one, this is one thing that I can absolutely separate the art from the artist because he didn't make that engine go. Everybody else did. So Buffy could have still been Buffy without Joss Whedon attached to it. And I think that's the sign and of, a, of a great cast of crew when you have a person that, I guess, developed the series. Yeah, I mean, I think I totally uh, agree with what everyone has said. I think it, it can be a difficult thing because, you know, there are so many people that create so much beautiful art or help create so much beautiful, so much beautiful art that we love. And they turn out to be scumbags or they turn out to be just horrific people who did horrific, horrible things. I mean, there's tons of things that are some of my favorite things in the world. And I, and I know the creators weren't good people. And so it can be that kind of reckoning of being like, okay, can I really separate it? And I think 
with Buffy, I think what also makes it easier with Buffy is when this show was live on the air, there was none of this. We didn't know this stuff. This stuff was happening, but we didn't know that it was happening. So we didn't know this stuff was happening at the time. So I think, I think somehow that makes it a little bit easier to reckon with it. Um, if this show was being made right now, and while it was being made, this stuff started coming out about Joss Whedon. And, you know, if Charisma Carpenter was talking about the horrible working conditions she was under and all this horrible stuff that had happened, I don't know if it would have been as easy to separate it. But I think because of the fact that it feels removed, you can. Plus, like everyone said, you've got, you know, a team of writers who are working on this, um, who probably, I think what we all sort of thought was that all of this was Joss Whedon and Joss Whedon created this whole universe and this is all his creation, but it wasn't. And so I think that helped some and that might've even balanced out whatever his ideas might've been too. There might've been stuff that we don't know about that could have ended up, but didn't because there were other people um, working on it. Um, and then also the wonderful performances that you have and, I think Buffy is such an important character to women um, and to little girls. I mean, she's a very important character to little girls, not just women. It's very important to see a character like that who is so strong and also falls down and gets back up and falls down and gets back up. And she literally saves the world and more than once. And I mean, she's just an incredible human being to watch. And she's so complex. She's not like written like two dimensional um, and she kicks ass and it's so awesome to watch that. And so I think it would be really heartbreaking to lose that for future generations. I mean, there will always be that asterisk on there, sadly, because of Joss Whedon, but I don't think it's lost any of its power. I still think this is a nearly perfect show. Um, I do want to discuss in just a second things we might think might have been influenced by Joss Whedon and might be those cringy moments of the show and maybe even cringy characters. Uh, but I do think overall, this is a feminist icon. She's a feminist icon. She just is. And you can't take that away from us. It's more like, no, we're not going to let you take this from us. This is ours. It's not yours anymore. Like death of the author. It's ours. Now this is our piece of art. This means a lot to us. And it meant a lot watching this, you know, growing up. I mean, it just did. It was like, you didn't see this stuff. This was amazing to see this. And it was amazing also to see a female who also, as the show went on, was in such control of her sexuality at the same time, too. I mean, that's pretty powerful and amazing to watch. So I I don't know. I, I just don't. I just this is one of those cases where it's really easy for me to separate this from Joss Whedon. It's really easy to go. This is not Joss Whedon's show. This is our show. But I do want to ask um, if, if you think because there are moments in this show that even though I think this is a nearly perfect show that could that are cringeworthy. Uh, the death of Tara is a, is a horrible trope. And I and I'm not necessarily saying that was Joss Whedon's doing, but I'm just saying that's a horrible trope that happens all the time, fridging women and especially fridging gay characters. Um, so that that's a trope that still happens. So that's not a good thing. Um, and then for the trigger warning of sexual assault, um, you know, of course, when Spike tries to rape Buffy, which was a, a really horrible scene to watch. And then, of course, the big thing is that a lot of people feel 
uh, that Xander is a stand-in for Joss Whedon and that Xander mm -hmm. is the Joss Whedon in this show. So Meg, I want to know, do you think, what do you think about those, those things? And do you think that Xander is that stand-in? <laughs> I mean, I did notice that none of us mentioned Xander as one of our favorite characters because he is very much a, I feel like he is very much a nice guy in that his, he seems to view his relationships in a lot of ways as transactional, especially with women. He gets very upset if he's nice to someone and they don't reciprocate in kind. He gets really frustrated um, having this crush on, on Buffy and her never paying attention to him. So I, I could see it. I haven't really thought too much about it. And I, it's, and I will be honest, it's been a while since I rewatched Buffy. And I was never a big fan of Xander, if I'm being perfectly honest. He was just kind of weird to me. Of Like, of all of these characters, he was the in the Scooby gang, and, and honestly, even a lot of the villains, he was one of the least interesting characters for me. So, like, if he is a stand-in for Joss Whedon, then Joss Whedon's not much of a person. Um, <laughs> just in general. Not even as, like, a good guy or a bad guy. Um, as far as Spike attempting to rape Buffy, um, I think you touched on a lot of the motivations behind that, Aaron, because I don't think we can classify this as like a cringy scene because it's not like you're embarrassed watching it. It's yeah. truly horrifying. And I think as it's a special kind of horror for women and that's not to say that men aren't sexually assaulted but honestly the overwhelming majority of sexual assault victims are women so watching someone a character that you love do something so horrifying was really really hard to swallow and it's and i think it says a lot about james marsters that first off he's interviewed about this and he basically like did not want to do this he hated it so much. And it says a lot to his uh, skills as an actor that we're still able to somehow forgive Spike in some way, shape, or form because we still love him at the end. But I think you hit the nail on the head when you said we needed to be reminded that he's a monster. And in a show where people die and are killed all the time, one violation, one crime that was just not something that happened was was rape and to have a character that we really, really love do something so atrocious really reminded us that, that Spike is a monster. And I think that was, I, and I don't want to be like, it's a good thing they did it, but I think it was kind of an important reminder for people to have mm -hmm. while watching this show that he right now is not a good guy. We love him because he's smart, uh, snarky, and funny and and he's really feels like an equal to Buffy in so many ways and skills it feels like an quote-unquote equal relationship between the two of them and they have some chemistry and romance and stuff um but he's not human and we needed that reminder of that and just and I can't think of a way that could, could have been done that would have had that much of a gut punch and I am not someone who enjoys at all um, sexual assault plot lines or anything like that. But it didn't feel gratuitous to me, I guess, when we're watching it. It was awful and it was painful and it was heartbreaking, but it didn't feel 
Like it was only there just to be there. Tara Dunning, I'm, I'm going to say something controversial. I was never a really big fan of Tara. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was, I, like, her dying was heartbreaking because of what it did to Willow for me watching it. Uh, I don't know. There was just something about her voice that just kind of grated on me a little bit. And that's not, I mean, it had nothing to do with her character. It was just whatever. <sighs> The thing with that is I don't feel like that's necessarily Joss Whedon's influence or anything like that. I feel like that's something that's a really popular, not popular, common trope that was common before Buffy, has been common after Buffy. I mean, look at what happened. Bury Your Gaze is just like... Fridging and Bury Your, Bury Your Gaze seem to be the the competing for the number one... <laughs> spot of how can we progress man pain um and it's happened just as recently as last year for one of my favorite shows with the barrier gaze and i won't talk about it because it makes me sad anyway i'm done now with that i'm gonna shut up for a little bit a very little bit <laughs> no thank no i that was great thank you for all that seriously sasha um yeah i again I agree with everything that Meg said. Um, it is funny that none of us did mention Xander. He's very blah. He's just kind of there. Um, I mean, his he has some good parts. Like, there's some good episodes with him, but for the most part, I just I don't I don't know. And I've never heard that there was the correlation with him being the Joss Whedon stand-in. So I don't guess maybe if I thought about it a little bit more but I was I had never thought about that um the spike buffy thing is again he is I mean he's a vampire he's a bad guy he's been around a long time like it's you know I think it, it is that you know everybody got a little complacent and was like oh he's fluffy and He's a bunny and we love him. Well, not if he's a bunny, because then Aaron is terrified of him. But <laughs> he's so fluffy and we love him. And then, you know, to have him do this horrible, horrible thing. But he gets redeemed even beyond it. Like, he's able to repair that relationship. And I don't even want to talk about Tara, because that whole thing just sucks. Yeah. It's all just bad. Like, there was no reason for that. Yeah. So. And Tiff. So, yeah, the Xander as a stand-in for Joss makes sense to me. Um, Xander is like one of those closet misogynists. Uh, Meg mentioned how he is a typical nice guy. That's how he would always describe himself as a nice guy. Bunny ears. Oh, sorry, Aaron. Air quotes. <laughs> um, Not the bunnies. <laughs> Not the bunnies. Uh, he, you know, um, the way he reacted when he found out that, that Buffy had slept with, um, Angel, it was, he slut shamed her. Uh, it was, it, that was awful. That's an awful way to treat your friend, uh, your supposed friend, one of your supposed best friends. Um, not to mention that she was dealing with the fallout from that 
where you have sex for the first time, you lose your virginity, and the guy turns into a, an evil, the, the, the very embodiment of evil. Uh, so she had to be feeling a certain type of way. And the fact that he didn't support her uh, when that happened is just, it's, it's a terrible, terrible uh, indictment upon him as her supposed friend. Uh, the way he treated Anya, leaving somebody at the altar is disgusting. It is. It's disgusting because you know whether or not you want to marry somebody. Period. Period. If you're having doubts, let me tell you, he was having those doubts like a week before that wedding. And he could have pulled her to the side and told her, hey, you know what? I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I don't think we should do this. And yes, it would hurt. But guess what? You don't completely humiliate somebody in front of, you know, their friends. Um, I was going to say family, but uh, they were mostly friends. <laughs> her, her vengeance demon family. So Xander had a lot of a lot of issues. So I definitely see the parallel uh, as him being the uh, the metaphor for Joss. Um, just like they say, you know, hey, Joss uh, wrote and directed the Avengers, and they say that, uh, and he did Age of Ultron, and they say that Bruce Banner, at least Mark Ruffalo's um, portrayal in Ultron, is a stand-in for Joss Whedon. No, so take that back because I'm sorry, Morgan. No, yeah, no, no, yes. I refuse. Yes. I'm I sorry. You, I'm sorry you refuse, but it's true. It's true. That just that gave me a sad. <laughs> um, I'm sorry that gave you a sad. I um, like that man now, like the one that meme of the guy just standing around randomly, sadly, <laughs> all over the place. That's not me. <laughs> um, the uh, the terrible, awful, hideous um, scene with Spike and Buffy in the bathroom uh it is incredibly difficult to watch um but as meg and sasha mentioned it was probably an important way to remind everybody that spike is a vampire and spike is can't all can't necessarily i don't want to say control but the tendencies that a vampire has to be evil are are going to overcome his self-control. And it manifested in him trying to force himself on Buffy and her being strong enough to withstand that. I don't know if the writers intended to show us that she because she is the chosen one and because she has the uh, righteous might of right uh, inside of her that she was able to withstand his assault. Um, I don't know if it was that deep, you know, to be perfectly frank. I think it might have been twofold, them showing that he's still a vampire, that he still has these vampiric tendencies and also that Buffy is the chosen one and she can withstand anything essentially whether it's natural or supernatural 
Um, sorry, Meg, I mentioned the show that you. <laughs> I mean, it, I figured it was a lowercase s, but thanks for clarifying. <laughs> it was a lowercase s. <laughs> <laughs> so, you monster, you're really kind of just ruining my whole. I know, I'm like, man, just was like, boom, boom. I apologize. I apologize. I just, I'm just I'm trying, just trying to, rip, to live my life. I'm trying to rip off the band aid, baby. <laughs> um, okay, so Tara, I did not like the character of Tara. Uh, she was incredibly annoying to me. I felt like she was very mealy-mouthed. I liked her. You know what? The only time I really liked Tara was actually when she was um, being a good friend to Dawn. And that's honestly the only other time that I really liked what Tara had to say. Other than that, I had no stake in the game with her and Willow. I really didn't care (laughs) about it. Um, As Meg said... They they fridged women and gay characters pre-Buffy. They did it during Buffy, and they still do it now. So I don't see that they uh, that it was a purposeful. We're sticking it to you because you're a lesbian type of deal. I think they figured, okay, she was the most expendable. How can we move Willow's story forward? And that was really how they could do it. Yeah. How can we bring out the evil side or the dark side of Willow? And you bring it out by taking away the thing that the person that she probably loves the most. Mm -hmm. Although I don't know. I mean, I still think that Willow probably loved Buffy uh, and Xander and you know, and to an extension, Dawn more than she loved Tara. Um, they she considered them her family, and uh, I know she loved Tara. But you know, when you've known somebody for years and years and years and grown up with them, the person that comes in like a couple years before, eh, yeah. <laughs> well, I almost feel like it was kind of the manner in which Tara died that really pushed Willow over the edge. Like I think if she feel, I think. If Buffy had died, it was most likely in battle, and that was something that they kind of prepared for. If if one of them died, it was something they kind of prepared for. It would be some sort of supernatural thing. But similar to when Buffy's mom died, losing Tara to a random bullet <laughs> just, I think was something I don't think anybody like I wasn't prepared for it when I was watching it. And like I said, I didn't start watching it till well after it was done. It was a really surprising death. And I think it was really effective. Um, But it was very much there to push Willow to further her plot point. And I guess at least someone died for something other than man pain. It was woman pain. Yeah. Yeah. That's for. Um, and I'll just, I just briefly want to mention something that, that, that Meg said about, um, the, um, I, I, that you feel like what happened when Buffy had sex was so fucked up and more Joss Whedon than Xander, right? Yeah, I think it was, I thought it was really messed up. Buffy has sex and the result of her losing her virginity to someone she loves is that he becomes a horrible beast. And I felt like that was more anti-feminist, frankly, than most of Xander just because it was like, okay, you have sex and here's your ginormous world-changing punishment. And not only that, you have to kill him now. Yeah. Like, it, it, like 
that felt harder for me to watch as, like and more slut shamey i think than anything xander ever said personally was she has sex and basically the world starts to end and then she's like well you can't ever have sex with this man that you love again because he's just going to turn evil again what does that say about men or women yeah or sex i i just mm-hmm. it bothered me more than a lot of stuff on the show to be perfectly honest no that's a very very good point yeah yeah um for xander you know i have very complicated feelings about xander i i will be honest when i first watched this show I actually didn't mind Xander. I didn't think of Xander as awful as most people did. And I think it's because, and, and honestly, it was, I, I liked Xander with Cordelia a lot. Um, I liked Xander with Anya. I do think him leaving her at the altar was absolutely horrendous. But when I look at it uh, through a different lens, I think Xander is like, is Xander being the representation of Joss Whedon makes sense in this, in this whole thing of, Joss Whedon on his on the surface came across as oh this is a nice guy this is a guy who wants to give women a chance who likes women to be powerful when underneath it all you know and I'm not saying Xander was like this at all because he wasn't this bad but underneath it all um that we knew of at least but underneath it all he's being horrible to his wife in real life I'm talking about Joss Whedon here he's being horrible to castmates he's sexist he's a misogynist he does horrible abusive things he's a racist all this stuff and on the surface he seems like such a great guy and so progressive and underneath it he's a monster I mean really um and I'm not saying Xander was a monster but I mean when you look at it Xander comes across as you know he's the prototypical nice guy the nerd the geek who you know, like in 80s movies, this would be the guy, you know, like Revenge of the Nerds or that kind of stuff where um, it's okay that they do creepy, icky things because they're the nerds and it's okay. And they're going to, and they're nice guys underneath it all. And they're going to get the girl in the end kind of thing. And so I think when you look at it that way, it really is clear that Xander very easily could be the stand in for Joss Whedon because on the surface, Xander seems like this nice guy, but he does have a lot of misogynistic traits and a lot of that. And the way he treated Anya was absolutely horrible and horrendous. And Anya was amazing. As we've all said, yes, she had her problems, but she was amazing. And she knew the truth about bunnies. So we can always love her for that. (laughs) One of the only beings in this earth. Um, And she wasn't real. I I don't know. I think the, the Knights of the round table in the Holy Grail would agree that bunnies are pretty evil. Yes. Yes. See, there are other places. And I mean, you know, <laughs> that's one of my favorite movies. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, yeah. And, and then uh, I'll, I'll, I'm going to save the sexual, um, the, the rape attempt for last. Uh, but with the murder of Tara, I think, you know, I, I'm not, I'm very ho-hum on Tara. I, I liked her. Okay. Um, sorry, Sasha. <laughs> um, it's fine. Oatmeal raisins. <laughs> Sasha's here. She's like, I didn't realize I was going to be attacked like this when none of the other panelists cared about Tara. <laughs> All good. Um, but it is really, really horrendous the way she died. And the reason it's so horrendous 
is she was very important, I know, to a lot of people in the LGBTQIA plus community. And when they killed her, it just goes again to that trope of not only just burying your gaze, but this trope of if you're gay, you're not going to be happy. If you're gay, misery will befall you. If you're gay, you'll die. Someone you love will die. Something horrible will happen to you. I mean, it goes to that whole thing that for a long time, anytime you'd ever see a gay man in anything, he eventually, of course, would have AIDS. It's the same kind of thing. It's like this, it's it's a very harmful trope. And I know it hurt a lot of people because a lot of people were like, this is so amazing to see a character like Willow, who's this strong character, who is also, I want to, you know, give a shout out that for the most part, this show handled Wiccan and paganism very well. Um, but you have someone like that, who's very strong, who's, who's in, in, in that, that world. And she's got this partner and she seems really happy. And then of course you have to kill that happiness because if you are gay, misery is going to come to you. And so it's a very harmful, harmful, harmful trope, no matter you know, if I liked Tara or not, it was a horrible thing to do because of how it affects the community. And if you keep seeing that over and over again, imagine if you're someone who is like in a family where you're already struggling to come out and you see this very strong character and you're like, okay, maybe I can do that. And then you see this horrendous act and you see then what happens as a result of that. You see Willow become evil um, as a result of that pain. And so, I mean, I, I can only imagine if you are in that situation where you're already struggling with that, and then basically you're having media tell you, well, you are destined for pain, your life is going to be pain, and you're already in pain. So I, it's just a very harmful thing to do. And I'm not saying you can never, ever kill anyone in, in the community. It's just the way you do it. And if it's all you're doing, that's the only representation you're doing, that's when it's, it's, it's not okay. So that's, those are my thoughts on that, because I think it's probably honestly the worst thing the show did because of how harmful it was and because it's still harmful to this day, still has a lasting impact. Um, okay. And the, the attempted rape, um, scene, like I said before, I think it was very important. And like everyone has mentioned, it was very important to remind the audience that this character that people had come to love and be attracted to and lust after. And I know we all kind of were in that situation. Also just loved to be reminded that this character is a, is a monster. Um, we have a tendency in media to, you know, it's the whole uh, soaps do it. We talked about it really, really early on in the year when we talked about soaps, how soaps have this horrible trope that they do where um they the rapist becomes the good guy i mean they'll have they've had whole stories luke and laura from general hospital luke raped laura and then they later got married and they're thought of as like a super couple uh lots of stories like that on soaps and what what i appreciated about this is that yes eventually i think you do come to i mean i still loved spike after this i still liked spike but there wasn't this feeling of like this happened and then Buffy and Spike got together after it. It was more like this was proof to Buffy of why she didn't trust Spike. Like she says, you ask why I can't trust you. This is why I can't trust you. Because Buffy knew deep down she still knew who Spike was. 
Buffy was struggling with this. She was in a deep depression. She was struggling with the fact that she had been in heaven. She had been with her mom. She had been at peace. She was no longer fighting. And she's back in this world of murder and death and where she's fighting constantly. And she's attracted to something that represents everything she has been fighting forever and everything she's supposed to kill and destroy in this world. And she's supposed to save people from, and she's having sex with it, with this being with this creature that she's supposed to want to kill. She's attracted to him. She's struggling with that. Her friends talk about slut shaming. Her friends shame her for the way she feels towards Spike. When, I mean, come on, she's dealing with so much having been ripped from heaven. I mean, I, there's no way to even. I mean, Seth friends ripped her from heaven. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I mean, so she's dealing with that. She's dealing with the fact that she has nowhere to turn. And the only time that she kind of feels any kind of thing beyond that is when she is being intimate with Spike, but that's tormenting her. And so I think it made perfect sense to put this in here. I thought it was, it was horrible. It was awful to watch. It was painful to watch. Um, but I thought it was important. I'm glad it wasn't completed. I I do want to say that. I'm glad she wasn't actually raped. Um, it was horrendous enough as it was, but I'm just glad that that didn't happen for her own sake. I do also think another reason this was important is I think there's still misconceptions about who gets sexually assaulted and who doesn't. And you have a character that is super strong, has this strength that, you know, norm, quote unquote, normal human beings don't have. Um, you've seen her fight take punches, everything like that. And so to show that sadly this can happen to anybody was also, I think, very important to show as well. Um, so I never think of that as a bad thing that the show did. I, um, I do, I can understand how that must've been very hard to do that scene for both of them. Um, must've been really painful. Uh, but yeah, I, th I think it was a very, very important thing to, to show and to also remind the audience of who, who Spike is. So, yeah. Yeah. But it always, it always bothered me so much how, how Buffy was treated by a lot of her friends during that season. Um, because she was, she was in crisis. She was in complete crisis that whole season. Yeah. Am I wrong? Or was that whole situation? Cause I haven't watched a lot. Was that whole situation kind of also the catalyst for Spike to try and get a soul back? It was, it was exactly like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So I'm just, I'm, just trying to remember order of <laughs> order of events. He leaves Sunnydale as soon as that happens. He hops on his bike and he leaves. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he he goes to his through his trials. Well, that. I did think it was interesting that Spike, even Spike the monster, was horrified with what he yeah was about to do. Like not even just the actor and not us in the audience and Buffy, but Spike, who is doing this and who doesn't have a soul, suddenly realizes how how awful he's on because it, di it didn't like i said this was not something that was common on buffy it's not like with game of thrones or whatever where sexual assault is just kind of tossed around as as like random plot points this wasn't something that happened ever and that i feel like that made it so much more powerful that violation of trust 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when you watched it live, I remember, and when Spike left, I don't think anybody really thought that's what Spike was going to do. I think a lot of people thought Spike was going to just become evil again. That's what I thought. I thought Spike was just going to be pure evil again. And so it was a real kind of surprise when the next season, that's not what was happening. So I, and I, I also think that was really interesting to do that. And it also was a good, good thing to show of showing that, you know, no matter what you think about some, about a man or even a woman or, or anybody, cause like Max, anyone can be sexually assaulted, but you know, you might think of that man that's in your life or somebody like that, that you're okay from them, that they're not going to hurt you when sometimes that sadly it does. I mean, sexual assault happens a lot from people that are in your life and that you love. I mean, husbands rape wives and all that all the time. So I think that was another important thing, but yeah. So I've, I've never faulted the show for doing that. And like you said, Meg, it was more powerful because of the fact that this wasn't a common occurrence on this show. Like if this was Ryan Murphy's Buffy the Vampire Slayer, it would have been hap- it would have happened like 5,000 times by this time and you would have been numb to it. So, you know, that's that's another reason it was so great. Well, um I think this has been a really really great conversation. Um so I really appreciate it. I know we got a little punchy, but then we got serious and I think we had some really great stuff to say and I really enjoyed it. Who knows, maybe we'll visit Buffy again and just we'll just talk about Spike for a whole episode. We could just talk about Spike. And I know we didn't really completely talk about Buffy, but I think we kind of encapsulated it. And I just want to say, you know, this show is an amazing show, was a gift show, really. And I'm glad that more people still get to to see it and just try and think of it as this is our show. Um, as women, we can say this is our show. Um, this is not Joss Whedon's show. It's our show. And uh, bless Sarah Michelle Geller because really this is just, she created an incredible character, an incredible feminist icon. And I still think it's funny that when she did, um, I know what you did last summer, she talked about how, how, how hard that was to do that because she had to act like she didn't know how to fight. And she's side heels and she's just like, I couldn't do it. It was so hard, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to go around. And everybody can tell me where they can be found, Meg, and your podcast, too, of course. Yeah, I will say um, I'm going to start watching Buffy with my 12-year-old Oh, awesome. in the very near future, so I'm very excited for that. Um, but you can find me personally on the Twitter at Wisconsinac, W-I-S-C-O-N-S-E-N-N-A-C-H. And yes, I wrote it down again. Um <laughs> You can find Carla and my's podcast called Bed, Wet, or Behead, where we pick our favorite and least favorite fictional characters from all over the the movie and TV and book universe and play Fuck, Mary Kill with them. You can find us on Twitter at Bed, Wed, Behead Pod, or you can find us on Instagram at bed.wed.behead.pod. And you can find us on all of your favorite podcast streaming stations as Bed Would Be Head. Awesome. Thank you so much. And Sasha? Yep. You can find me on Instagram at Vegan Geek Chick. Uh, and that will link you to my obnoxious dog because he's linked in my bio. So you can follow the puppy trials. <laughs> he's so funny. <laughs> you have to stop saying that. 
people tell him how cute he is. I'm like, don't tell him that. It goes straight to his head. He is, he's he an idiot. So he is kind of stupid. I will say, oh. I hung out with him. <laughs> he's, but he's sweet. He's so sweet. Dumb dogs are the best dogs. I have the dumbest dog in the world, and I love him so much. This one's still a puppy, so it's excusable. But if he stays yeah. as dumb as he grows up, I don't know what we're gonna do. Oh yeah, mine's six, so there's no hope. Yeah. So good luck, Sasha. <laughs> and Tiff. You can also find me on Twitter at Who Is Tiff Is Me. At Who Is Tiff Is Me. I'm usually yelling into the ether about something that I watched, you know, that whole jazz. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. And this Oh, you can also find us, I'm sorry, at the Ben Knoll a- Fan Club. Oh yes, the Ben Knoll Fan Club. How can we forget that? <laughs> How can we forget what, what is that Twitter handle that Carla created? I can't was that remember. Carla? I thought maybe it was you. No, that was Carla who created that Twitter account. I think it's Ben Knoll Five Life. Yes. <laughs> Go to any of our Twitters, look at our followers. You'll find the Ben Knoll. So come on, ship Ben. And once again, please send us those fanfics if they're out there. Ben We're Noel. searching for Ben Knoll <laughs> brought our broken friendship back together. Yes, we thought it was going to be the end of our friendship and it just grew. It just strengthened it. <laughs> That's the it's it, it's an enemies to love first stories line. So come on, give us that fake that doesn't exist out there somewhere, please. Go to Live <laughs> Journal, find it. Yeah. <laughs> Someday we will. Uh, but this is Aaron. You can follow me on Twitter at E April Beauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Uh, you know, I keep telling you what you'll be seeing me do there. I'm 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 done with Gilmore Girls. I'm I'm done with ever Gilmore Girls. <laughs> this Wait, world. but are you finished <laughs> watching Gilmore Girls, or are you just done? <laughs> I'm just done. I just that show. Uh, yeah, I'm just done. But other than that, I am still tweeting about Darren Chris every once in a while. I bought the most ridiculous piece of fandom merch I have ever bought in my life. And I wish I had it up here with me to show all of you. It is this coffee mug (laughs) with a picture of Darren Chris holding puppy, holding a puppy. You are so proud of it. It's so cute. So I'm still in that. And now I'm really, really into Finn Whitrock's hair. So I'm really, really lusting after Finn Whitrock's hair in um, the new season of American Horror Story, which we are doing live tweets on our fandom thing, Twitter account. Yes, I know. Ryan Murphy. I just can't let him go. I mean, I was tortured by him for a while and I'm back to watching it. But that's because that American Horror Story episode and American Crime Story and Glee are all pretty much tied for our most popular episodes right now. But if you want to see our every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, me and my podcast brain twin, Jen, from my streaming bubble, and Susie joins too. She's Susie is hysterical. Uh, we are doing live tweets of the new season of American Horror Story. Um, it is a lot more palatable to watch Ryan Murphy when you're doing live tweets. <laughs> like that, I have to say. Uh, but it's it's been fun. So tune in for those we're gonna that's something new we're gonna add in so after this one we might do dexter next because dexter's returning and i'm super excited so we might do live tweets for that sasha perked up because sasha's gonna be coming over to my place to watch dexter okay so you can follow the show um on twitter and you can follow us for that american horror story 
live tweets. That's at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. Be sure to like us, uh, follow us on Facebook at it's a fandom thing or sorry. See, I never say the Facebook one second. So it always throws me uh, facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. If you have any feedback, if you, once again, if you know of any Ben Noel fanfics, um, if you want to send me videos of great, wonderful Darren Chris moments, if you want to send me videos of just Finn Whitrock's hair, that works too. (laughs) Send Erin all the fan cans. She needs to refill her bank. (laughs) It's okay. It's a thirsty thing. That's my next podcast. <laughs> or wait, is it It's a Fandom Thirst? <laughs> I like just It's a Thirsty Thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nothing but nothing but Derek Chris and Christian Bale. And Finn Whitrock's hair. And Finn Whitrock's hair. <laughs> but our email is It's a Fandom Thing Pod at gmail.com. And on our next episode, we're wrapping up the WB with a show called Gilmore Girls. <laughs> <laughs> so until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. Well, I'm sorry that we have to start over again, but I'm really glad I noticed that now and not like... <laughs> In an hour? <laughs>